Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by Comebacks. Are you down? Are you behind? Do you need some kind of miraculous play or a group of plays to pull out a last-minute victory? Well, then look no further than Jimmy Garoppolo, because he's the man of the hour, of the day, of the game that managed to overcome adversity and pull out a miraculous win to give us our ninth victory today. Awesome. And you can find us on... Yeah, where, by the way, where can you find us? I'm not used to this role. <laughs> All right. You can find us on YouTube.com slash The Goldcast, Facebook.com slash The Goldcast. You can also subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever great podcasts are sold for free. Uh, like, subscribe, and comment. You can also find us on Twitter.com at The underscore Goldcast. And you can find me... Rudy Solis 3 on Instagram and on Twitter at Rudy Solis 3RD. And you can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis and on Instagram at Ray Solis 1. Yeah. And now for that intro. Let's go, baby. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cat. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. I am your host, Raymond Solis the first, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Rudy Solis the third, baby. Boom! All right, here we are. It's Ooh. a role reversal today. It right? is a role reversal today. Let's explain to them why it's a role reversal today. Because we are doing this live in person together. The Gold Cast team is together for a rare occasion and we are taking advantage of this opportunity to gold cast together i know we missed the preview there we apologize for that but we are back to give you the reaction video of what turned out to be a dynamite game from start to finish so good um really had us on the edge of our seats i know most of you are probably feeling the same way and we didn't necessarily get to hear your predictions but uh the outcome was what we all hoped it would be nevertheless it wasn't the game we wanted, but it was the game we needed. Exactly. It was a bounce-back return game. That was kind of the big the big question that needed to be answered is would the 49ers answer and respond well to the dramatic last-minute overtime loss to our dreaded rival, the Seattle Seahawks? And the answer is yes, they did, although it was not a clean victory, but it was a victory Regardless, so it, let's let's get into it. A, a wins, a wins, a win, baby. Yeah, the the how is not as important as the end result, and you know the how is the stuff that gets cleaned up from from tomorrow leading up to next week's contest, and that's every team, and of course that's not our job. Our job is to just kind of analyze everything, break it down, give it a, give some questions to you guys, get some feedback for you, and have some interactions on what you guys thought of the game. But first, let's get involved, Rudy. What were some of the big things that kind of stood out to you in this contest? So first of all, I think Arizona proves beyond a shadow of a doubt, once again, this is the hardest division in the NFL. Am I right? Yeah, I, they've played us tough both times, and both times they really kind of played all the way to the final quarter. And same same goes for Seattle. That one went to overtime. Yeah, prop, prop, props to the Arizona Cardinals. I think this team is actually pretty decent. 
And um, honest, honestly, I think the Rams are are probably the worst team in this division right now. Looking at the way the Cardinals play offensively week in and week out, they're very competitive. They they need a, bit, a better defense. But Kyler Murray and crew came into San Francisco. They gave us a tough game. But I think really the big standout, obviously, let's not, let's not bury the lead here. Jimmy Garoppolo, 34 of 45, 424 yards, four touchdowns. Two back-breaking interceptions, but aside from that, Raymond, I thought Jimmy G was fire again. Again, 424 yards, four touchdowns? He's a monster, dude. This team started off a little sluggish. The first quarter was definitely rough. We were down 9-0. Uh, you know, come come back. We get a, a ten points in the second in the second quarter. Wanted to see a touchdown there at the end of the half, but couldn't quite pull it off. But at that point, we're now it's now sixteen ten in favor of Arizona. But I'm thinking, all right, I wasn't that worried at that point. I was like, you know what? I'm really not worried about about the game at that point. Game. We take the lead in the third. Arizona gets it back. And the 49ers really just laid it on thick. The fourth quarter, Jimmy Garoppolo basically channeling the ghost of Joe Montana and bringing this team all the way back. 19 points in the final quarter of the game. Started out with zero points in the first quarter and 19 in the final. Just a really, really heads up final fourth quarter. I thought the Niners played very sound football, except for that last interception, which really really made things it was real it was real touch and go there for a second but Jimmy G managed to pull it out and I have to say some pretty impressive play from the I have to say the two most impressive players of the day for me without question Debo Samuel that catch was insane you know the catch we all know the catch we're talking about the one on the sideline where it was literally he caught it on the back of the cardinals defender then it bounced out and it bounced through his through through his hands as they're both going out of bounds and somehow Debo Samuel keeps control and and nails the ball and then next Dwelly Dwelly was awesome Dwelly channeling the the uh channeling his doing his best uh George Kittle impersonation Dwelly would have had three touchdowns on the day if they hadn't had uh, turned it back, which we'll talk about th- those uh, those penalties in a second here. But in general, I thought the offense, after a slow start, really pulled it together. And, you know, we all were talking about the, the drops from these players and how they, they needed to improve. And I thought that overall, the team, the team bounced back and really showed the depth of this offense um, when it's firing on all cylinders. What were your thoughts? My thoughts were fairly similar. I felt like Arizona really kind of was building off of the game plan that they brought into the Thursday night game, which was to eliminate our rushing attack and to force Jimmy Garoppolo to beat us with his arm. Even though Jimmy was more successful last game in terms of, you know, the stat line, no no picks in that game, four touchdowns in that one, the game plan was still the same. Let's eliminate the rushing attack again. And let's force Jimmy to beat us, but let's play better coverage. Let's play better pass rush. And then we should be able to have a, a better shot this time. And there, this time the rushing defense for Arizona, I thought, was extre- played way better than they did on the Thursday night game. We only amassed a total of 34 rushing yards. Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert were really a non-factor the entire game. 
Jimmy Garoppolo had a, a one rush himself, but it didn't really didn't really matter at that time. Although he got seven yards out of it, so it, at least it was a a positive rushing game. Not much can be said for our rushing attack. I think the the absence of Matt Breida was felt today. We didn't play a third back, and I think to me it seemed like Kyle Shannon kind of abandoned the run pretty early and just said let's air it out and jimmy was 34 for 45 that's extraordinarily efficient uh passing statistics there i thought he was terrific um on third down he was i mean a little bit below 50 percent, which is not necessarily where he usually hovers he was 46 percent, six for 13 on third down efficiency still really good much better than the cardinals who were three for ten that was a 30 percent efficiency we missed both our first down, fourth down conversion, so that was tough to see. Although the last one was really towards the end of the game, so the defense was kind of going to come in there and just kind of hold them off. But we still amassed a lot of offense, and the defense, even though the defense gave up 26 points, you, their presence was still felt. Demontre Moore, who had got called back, who actually I thought played really well, but we just didn't have the depth, uh, the roster space to retain him. So he kind of was the odd man out. But with the injuries that we've taken the last couple of weeks, you know, now he's back in the fold. And he played a really efficient game and actually got, you know, the dagger turnover to really kind of take the morale outside of this team um, and give us give us the momentum in the final you know, waning seconds of this game. The entire secondary had pass deflections across the board. We saw a little bit of Witherspoon today when Emmanuel Mosley went out. Looks like Witherspoon's still not 100% and they're kind of easing him into the lineup. Although with the injury to Mosley late in the game, it seems like he stepped in there for a minute, but then Emmanuel came back and played. I'm not sure. I thought they weren't going to play the hot hand. So my presumption there is that Witherspoon is just simply not 100% yet. So they're before giving him his starting rollback to really kind of kind of ease him back and then demote Emmanuel Mosley to, you know, specific nickel packages and things like that. But again, Fred Warner led the team with tackles. He had a TFL. Drake Greenlaw had a TFL. D Ford had two TFLs. Buckner had a TFL. Julian Taylor had two TFLs. Eric Armstead had a TFL. Elijah Lee had a TFL. Nick Bosa had a TFL. So getting into the backfield for these tackle for loss, we were all over the place for that. And we had four sacks on the day between Armstead, Buckner, Ford, and Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward playing through injuries. He's starting to, starting to, looks like he's starting to come out of the Mr. Glass moniker and becoming more of an Iron Man, I would say, <laughs> with the way he's played lately. I, I've been really excited to see that. They call him Mr. Glass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or I am Iron Man. Um, so, so I've really been pleased with his level of play. The kicking was there today. We, we still got, you know, the, the kid who was 3 for 3 during regulation play, but 0 for 1 in, the, in overtime last week. But uh, he was, I thought he was much better today. Didn't have to do as much. Didn't have to rely on him as much. We just needed those point after attempts and the early field goal. But he nailed all of that. So that was nice to see. And again, you know, to me, I think, I think the Cardinals are an up-and-coming team. Uh, that that's kind of how I view this team. They had six TFLs on their side. They eliminated the rushing attack. I think they've got a great rushing defense, at least when they play us, they do. Uh, their passing defense is obviously extremely suspect, and that's where most of the damage was done against them. And obviously they have a versatile quarterback that can have a stat line like 24 for 33 for 150 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. But still, when you look at the result of the game, this was competitive all the way down to the final seconds. 
it really was it was a great game really honestly a great great game and I, I was very impressed with the the 49ers defense I really what really made the difference Raymond were those two drives where the uh where the Arizona was forced to kick field goals that's really what made the difference and like one of those s- was off turnovers too so we and the last thing you want off turnovers as many of you fans know you football savvy people is that if if you've got a turnover and they're they've got a chance to score the very minimum you want to get out of that is is a, is obviously a zero but if they do have an opportunity to score seeing those threes out there for turnovers is just like to me i think it's a godsend i get excited i'm like oh thank god it's just three points half a touchdown exactly and i that is really was what made the difference in the game for for the defense was the fact that they were able to hold them in in the first quarter to three points on that second drive and then uh that one drive in the third quarter able to hold them to three that was the big difference those two drives forcing them to take field goals is what allowed us to to maximize and make and get our get ahead of Arizona. And I thought that was really the difference in the game. It was an exciting game and I think again Jimmy G, you know, kind of a little slow to start, kind of giving you the heart palpitations, but really really from the second quarter on played excellent. Those two interceptions. I mean, we say this every week, right? He's always he's he's going to give you that one backbreaking interception a week but it, it, overall I think he played great I heard this really silly thing that really kind of bugged me that some there was there was word going around that some people some people in the NFL think that uh that Nick Mullins would do just as well I completely disagree Jimmy G is an ex I mean did you see some of those passes they were insane Nick Mullins can't thread the way that Jimmy Garoppolo can thread no way it was really impressive. His level of play was very impressive. I, for one, I'm I do I am a Jimmy G defender. I'm not a Jimmy G apologist because there's nothing to apologize for. When you go 34 for 45 for 424 yards and four touchdowns, that's an excellent game. Sure, two interceptions. That part sucks. Really, you know, a little bit of sloppy pay play, but it means only he only missed 11 throws. Only 11 throws out of out of 45 attempts. He only missed 11 of those. That's insane. That is insane. That's and a 70% uh, completion percentage. Yeah. Just I, about. He, he played excellent. Not only that, Jimmy G is, uh, he's, he, he is more than just a competent co- quarterback. He is capable of running with the big boys. And the only way he's going to get there is through this. I don't expect this to continue. I don't think Jimmy G, you know, maybe maybe we'll, we'll get these interceptions through through the rest of the season, but I just have a hard time believing that for the remainder of his career, he's going to be th- um, this quote-unquote sloppy with the ball. I don't find him to be very sloppy, but he does, he does give you one back-breaking interception a game. This week he gave us two. Luckily, we have a great defense that can capitalize on it, but... Going forward, Ray, I have a question for you. Here's a good one. Going forward, does this team need to step it up on offense for the especially for the next three weeks? Three this next three weeks, we are we have we have begun we've entered in what I've been calling all, uh, all season our playoff dress rehearsal. We're here now. We've got this is the bulk of the of the dr- playoff dress rehearsal. We've got Green Bay. Then we have Baltimore, which that game is going to be. I'm I'm nervous. That game they look terrifying on offense. And then we have uh, the the New Orleans Saints. This offense. What are your thoughts on it? I feel like they they need to step it up because of what they did today. Wow, good. 
they're going to need more to go against those other teams. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about this offense going into the next three weeks? This is the question I want to ask. To me, you. one of one of the biggest ones is the penalties, the penalties that negate touchdown receptions. That is one of the biggest stats that I look at. That I mean, in addition to Jimmy's turnover, one to two turnovers a game. Although he had a zero the last time he played the Arizona Cardinals. One of the, I think the only game he hasn't thrown or given up the ball. So the, the turnovers on the quarterback position need to get short up because there's quarterbacks right now on losing teams that give up the ball less than he does. In fact, Kyler Murray gives up the ball less than he does. And that needs to change. So, and also the, the, the self-inflicted wounds that take points off the board. We've overcome those for the most part, but we lead the league in that category. We, we've, we've got another one that was taken away this week. That's seven on the year that leads the NFL. And against better teams, those types of self-inflicted wounds are going to have a greater impact. Against shittier teams... It's, it's different. You know, the five turnovers against Pittsburgh, when they were at their worst, they are playing better now, they did, although they did lose on Thursday night. But overall, they've been playing better since that game. But when, they're, when teams are down, self-inflicted wounds like that and turnovers and stuff can be overcome if you are the superior team, which we have been for the entire season, with the exception of, you know, the lone loss, where we just came up, you know, just a little bit short. But to me, going forward, I think if once you play teams like the Ravens, Green Bay, and New Orleans, teams that put up tons of points on the board and do play very good defense, albeit not as efficient as us in terms of rankings and statistics, but can have still gotten the job done for the most part and are only one or two losses behind us in terms of record. So th- those mistakes need to get cleaned up because you you it's going to be the 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 margin for error against those teams is much, much smaller than the the team that we just played and a lot of the teams that we've played up to this point. Those interceptions will be touchdowns if we do that in Baltimore. Those interceptions will be touchdowns if we do that in New Orleans. Those interceptions will be touchdowns if we do that next week in Green Bay. You know, so the, these... I think Marcus Peters has like, what, two two uh, pick sixes since, gotten, since getting traded over there from the Rams? There you go. I mean, that's the, that's the thing is that there is no stat that aff- that that affects the affects scoring more than turnovers. Turnovers are the deadliest the deadliest mistake an offense can make and they will turn into points. And against offenses the likes of Green Bay, Baltimore and New Orleans, those will become points and Jimmy G has got to play the best ball of his life. For the next three weeks, if we're gonna get through that through this. Now, I for one think that's great. I'm happy that we're playing all these teams now. I'd rather play them now than have our first time be in the playoffs because we will face all these teams again. So this is great. The overall, this season is playing right into our hands. It's playing right into our hands, right? Mm-hmm. Right there. But if Jimmy G, I don't need him to be Jimmy G. I need him to be Jimmy Garapolo. That's who I need him to be. The mobster. Jimmy the Gangster. Jimmy Gangster. That's who I need. Bang Bang hey, Jimmy Niner. Gangster. Gang? I like that. Jimmy Gangster. It's a G. It is a G. Yeah. I yeah, like Jimmy Garoppolo. We need him to be Jimmy Gangster. Jimmy Gangster. That's right. Not Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. The sweet boy from down the block in Brooklyn. <laughs> but anyways, Raymond, looking 
ahead just a little bit because obviously we're going to do our preview. We will do our preview video. We were in the reason we're, we have been celebrating my father's 60th birthday. Happy birthday, Dad, by the way. Yes, our it's, unofficial third host of the Goldcast who likes to chime in. He does feed us information between episodes here and there because he does listen to the show and he does enjoy He's very much enjoying the season. Yeah, so happy birthday, 60th birthday to Pops, Rudy Solis Jr., the man, the myth, the legend. Um, But looking ahead, are you excited for the next three weeks? Are you nervous for the next three weeks? Are you both? What is is your – we've had 10 10 games now, and now we go into the three hardest weeks of not only the 49ers' lives – but of your life and mine as well. These will be the three hardest weeks of my life. And and even though this this was a this is a team that was coming in three and six now fall to three and seven. This was a division game that was tough in all four quarters. It's not like you're running away from it, and there's a sense a little bit sense of relaxation when you're running away with a game and blowing someone out like Carolina. The game starts to just become like fun, like like backyard football because you're. You're just steamrolling this team, and it's almost like the, the team's moral has been diminished, and you're just going through the motions to just kill the clock and, and end the game and get it over with. But this one was like you're on nerves from the, the opening kickoff until the waning, the closing seconds. And they've played us like this uh, both times this year. Luckily, we swept them this year, even though they had swept us when when uh, we were the worst team and we were just trying to get some wins on the board. They, they happened to be... The, the one team that we just couldn't get past, even when they were at their worst, too. And so, but I think going forward, if you're going to think about the three games, I think, uh, uh, accumulated, then I think it's a little nerve-wracking because these are great teams and great players with a lot of playing experience and playoff experience. And the, the next, these next three games, with the exception of Baltimore, that these are Super Bowl quarterbacks. Um, we have more Super Bowl quarterbacks coming in a- after this group is done, too, with the exception of... I think just Baltimore is the only team that has a quarterback without Super Bowl experience. Everyone else has at least been to one, if not won one. Rodgers yeah. won it. Breeze won it. Matt Ryan's been to it. Russell Wilson's been to two. He's won one. Jared Goff's been Jared to Goff's one. Jared Goff's been to one. It's just it's just Lamar Jackson. So just just there's some some big shoes coming into this stadium. So I mean, but I think you know who else has been to one? Who? Jimmy G. He has been the one. In fact, he has. I think he has two rings. That's right. <laughs> he has Let's two not rings. Forget. Two ring participation trophy. You <laughs> forgot Apollo. He did such a good job watching the game. <laughs> to give you a ring. <laughs> I wish they'd give me a ring for watching Niner games. Anyways, uh, so so say it yeah. again. So you're nervous. I'm a little nervous, but I think when I think about them. In, in a in a broader sense like that, I think it is a little nerve-wracking because this is going to be a tough stretch going forward. I mean, it's been tough since since the Seattle game to this these two games, these first two games coming out of, coming out of the eight no stretch halfway halfway done with the season. The first two games in the second half of the season have been nail biters, and now we have Green Bay coming into town. They're coming off fresh off the bye, so they're going to be rested and fresh. We're kind of we're taking some injuries now with extended play time and just, you know, hard-nosed football going down to the wire. These kinds of games are very exhausting for a team. So we need some type of – we need a big win going forward uh, with one of these teams or all these teams, ideally. Um, but Green Bay is the next one on, on, the, on the list. Uh, do we go to Green Bay? We go to Green we, Bay. Yeah, we're going to be in Green Bay. So we're going to be in the fo- frozen tundra. That's uncharted territory for this young squad. 
No, 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 we no. Homestead. We're home. We're oh, home. that's right. We have a three-game homestand. Yeah, we're home. Then for we go. Green we Bay. go. We go to Baltimore and New Orleans. That's yeah. the road trip. Then yeah. we come back home. So that's. Um, I mean, I do like the fact that we're we stay home again. So we get to we no no traveling. We get th- that rest, that recuperation, that game plan time. All of that gets to be. And Levi's home now. Yes, it's fully home. It is. It's it, it feels good. Yeah. And we've got wins under the belt now in, in this new regime, especially this season in particular. So now, you know, now we've got to host a, a, a different team with a different style of play. But again, the, the formula's out there to limit us to a one-dimension team. But even in those instances, with the exception of Seattle, which was kind of both, I think that the Cardinals successfully eliminated the run game and other teams have too. But Jimmy G, despite throwing two picks, has proven that he can overcome that. That even even when the game is late and you're thinking like, oh my God, that is a unless we get a three and out stop. The last pick that was it was it was a pressure, so he got he got blitzed. He rushed the pass. He threw it behind Dwelly. Dwelly tipped it and it got intercepted. I thought like I I almost thought the game was going to be over at that point because I did too. I was I, there was nervous. there was less than five minutes on the clock. We got a quick three and out, got the ball back, and Jimmy just went right back to it. So my hat's off to Jimmy for kind of hanging in there. The, the, that pick was, you know, him trying to make a play despite the, the, the pressure. And the one, the, the, the one before that was even was way worse because he just didn't even see the linebacker and just tried to throw the ball there and just kind of missed the defender. That was just really just kind of a bad, completely bad read by Jimmy. And the other one was just, that was, that was a combination of good pressure coming from the defense forcing Jimmy to, Jimmy to throw his pass prematurely, and that's exactly what you want. That's what happens when you pressure quarterbacks efficiently. They, they make throws like that, and we've done that to quarterbacks all season long. So, But we got to do it again uh, next week with uh, Green Bay coming into town. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to say I'm nervous, but I'm also pumped. Let's fucking go. I mean, how could you not be... Excited! It's a pretty awesome. It's. A, I mean, we had the rivalry between Colin Kaepernick and Aaron Rodgers, where we owned them. I think it was like four to that one. That was the best. I think we won two uh, playoff games won, and regular won, season games. We won four games in like a year and a half. Yeah, which and is like a really so, hard stat to do. And Aaron Rodgers, the the ageless wonder, is now gonna you know now he's gonna face a, a new version of the 49ers that uh, is even, in my opinion. Uh, well, I'd say just... The ceiling's high. The ceiling's high. We haven't reached our potential yet. No. And, but we're playing at an extremely high level where the, the top seed in the NFC, they know it, and then they know, they know our defense is terrific. So, And Aaron Rodgers doesn't quite move like he used to. So this is a different... This To me, this is a matchup... We're going to get into this, but just a quick little preview. I think this is a defensive matchup that favors, that favors us greatly because now it's not the Kyler... We're not dealing with Kyler Murray. That's right. Now we're not dealing with Kyler Murray. It is going to be a great matchup. We will be back later in the week to do our full breakdown of that game. But I am excited. Let's go. I'm nervous. I will say the game I'm most I'm most nervous about, Baltimore. Lamar Jackson's terrifying. Yeah, mobile, mobile quarterbacks are giving the NFL at large a lot of trouble because now these coaches and these offensive coordinators are embracing that skill set and just merely incorporating it into Kyler Murray's skill. That's Those skills are incorporated into the offense. The run-pass option, read option, whatever you want. It, I believe it's RPO is the formal name now. I think when Colin Kaepernick was playing, it was called the read option. 
But now they're doing the, the RPO stuff with Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen in Buffalo. They're doing that with him over there. He's doing a great job keeping that team in the winning column. Nice to see another team playing well in New England's division. But this is something that needs to, now defenses have to adjust to contain this the same way they, they you know, tried to contain Colin Kaepernick back in the day, and he ran rampant for about three seasons before slowing down. And the same thing has to happen now. And I think Lamar Jackson is definitely the best out of that group. Let me, let me, ask, you, let me ask you one more question because you haven't done this yet. Who, who gets your game ball? Who, uh, who was game the, ball. Yeah, who was the hero today for you? I have to. I got two. I got two game balls, two two game balls to, to go here. I'm gonna give one game ball, to Demontre Moore, for stepping in, Ooh. stepping into the defense and getting a dagger turnover. Even though we we cycled uh, through the balls again, we, we we cycled possessions again after that. But he got us a dagger turnover when we needed it, and he got called in to to get. I think this is a terrific player. He, he I think he he keeps that depth. He keeps the depth playing at the same click it was playing before the, we lost uh, Ronald Blair. So I think a game ball goes to him. And then my primary game ball has to go to Jimmy Garoppolo for overcoming the two picks. I like it. I like it. Uh, can I tell you who who gets my game, Cole? Uh, who gets your who gets your cold shower? Yeah, for this who game? gets the game? Who gets the cold shower? The, uh, the officials. They were the worst today of all time. I, I'll be honest. That one, that one PI call they called on us. Who was it? Who was it? Where, where? Who it was? One of our, one of our guys was jumping over. He like jumped over the defender, even briefly grabbed his face mask, but somehow was PI on in Arizona. They were horrible today. They would not let these guys play. Well, I think that one, the, the replay never showed it, but I think there was contact between between him. And um, what was that guy's name? I think it was Walker. He was the inside linebacker, Walker, number 59. He had made contact with... Was Kyle, it Dwelly? Is that who was... I think it was Kyle Juszczyk. Oh, was it Juszczyk? He had made contact with Kyle Juszczyk before that. And then once the ball was overthrown and Walker had, had, had be, got a step beat on Juszczyk, Juszczyk then became the defender and jumped over him. But I think they were calling him on the contact before, which the replay didn't show. At least that was my impression. There was also two call or three calls on Richard Sherman. I thought the first one was legitimate. I mean, he straight tackled the, the two. The second one was a bang-bang play. I thought that could have gone either way, but then once they called it on Sherman and then they had a bang-bang playing, I was like, all right, if you're going to call it on Sherman, at least be consistent. They were. And, and, and so they, they did call it on Arizona, too. So it's kind of, to me, it reminds me of baseball. It's like once the umpires, once you learn the umpire strike zones, you're like, all right, at least be consistent and keep calling those, call it no matter who's pitching, which team's pitches up there. This this crew was, was frustrating to watch today. I think officiating this year has been grossly inconsistent, especially with the way rules are described and how referees are supposed to interpret them. It makes it, It's a really tough the N- job. The NFL doesn't make it easy on them, that's for sure. It doesn't, but today I thought there was an inconsistency in terms of the, the zone uh, that they had. There, there's the perspective of their, of their zone for what they were going to deem a violation and, and, and not. I thought all of the, I thought all of the encroachment stuff was consistent. The holding on our center, uh, Weston Richburg, I thought both those calls were questionable there, because on the last one should have been off. The second one on Western Richburg should have been uh, offsetting penalties. The first one I thought was not a hold at all, and even Moose Johnson agreed that that was a bad call. And the second one, there was holding from the defender. So it should have been penalties on both sides, offsetting penalties, replay the down. 
But so things like that are frustrating and I'm not sure, you know, what's going to fix it. We're obviously going to go through another set of rule changes after the, the end of this season, but we'll see how that turns out. But yeah, it, the, the officiating was not, I was not jazzed about it today. Yeah, they definitely get my cold shower. That's a great cold shower. I like that. Thank one. you. That, that was it. Uh, game ball. Yeah, who gets your game ball? Oof. You know who I'm going to give it to? I'm going to give it to one person. Kyler Murray, why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it to Debo Samuel. You know what? The kid's a rook, and the kid, he uh, eight receptions, 134 yards, uh, 10 targets, only only eight of the 10 passes. He got 134 yards. That crazy pass catch that he got was the catch of the year. That's for, a good for, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm going to go Debo Samuel. He, he, had the big, he had the big third down drop last week, and he came in strong today knowing that even though Emmanuel Sanders chose to play, we could all see that Emmanuel Sanders was grimacing. Oh, my God, he was like grimacing. over. He was slow to get up every play. Every tackle probably hurt him. He was hunched on the sideline. Just, I mean, if you've ever had your ribs bruised, I've never had them, but the fact that your abdominals, it's, it's where your abdominal is, and it's how your entire body is supported with all of its movement and lateral movement, especially the way that he runs routes. That was just the fact that he even caught three three catches out of five targets for 33 yards is impressive. But yeah, um, Rudy, I have to uh, think I have to compliment you. That's a really good game ball. I forgot about Debo Samuel. He balled out today, despite yeah. having no end zone catches. He was certainly a terrific possession receiver. He today. was the guy. He was the guy. 134 yards, eight receptions. Debo Samuel gets my game ball, and I will, as, as someone who has had bruised ribs, I will tell you all exactly how it feels. You don't realize that your entire body's movement is partially dictated by a rib cage. you don't realize that until they're bruised. I will tell you this, you can't raise your arms, it hurts to breathe because your lungs are expanding in your rib cage. You, it hurts to turn either direction, it hurts to, to move left or right, to move laterally, and it even hurts to walk and stand up because when you, when you walk and you stand up, your ribs are still moving. It is one of the toughest most painful experiences of my life ever is when I bruised my ribs as a little kid. I was dry. I'll tell you this story. I was in the. I was. We were in. Uh, we were uh, in the mission, outer mission, right? Where is that where we were? That that giant lot that's over there by two eighty, by the freeway. Oh, um, uh, Alpha Alamini. Yeah, Alpha yeah. Alamini. We were we were driving the, this go kart. I'd never driven a go kart. Where, and where, where the swap meet is, I, I think uh, there's like a swap meet that's over there in that big giant lot off Alamini. Yeah, and we were right there, and I was driving this go kart. And I lost control of the go-kart and went straight into, I smashed into a shed and bruised my ribs really bad. I was hurt for like a whole week or so. It was rough. I had to go to the hospital and everything. It was, it was terrifying. To this day, I still don't like driving because of the story. Anyways, we're getting, we're getting off topic. But, uh, but, but bruised ribs, man, you, I'm telling you, can't move your arms, can't breathe, can't turn, hurts to walk. It is so painful when your ribs are hurt it is like it is no freaking joke yeah he played tough so he gets the uh i don't know i guess we call that the uh the ronnie lott award the ronnie lott for toughness award. the ronnie lott's finger award yes the ronnie lott's pinky award <laughs> Debo samuel that's a good game ball for Debo said Debo to me i think Debo samuel out of the rookies that we've drafted in the wide receiver position he's the one that i feel like has a really a uh, he has the the potential that we've seen out of Dante Pettis late last year when he finished strong but has been virtually absent this season. To me, Debo Samuel 
has a much higher ceiling than Dante Pettis. He actually, Debo Samuel is says been open saying that he's very motivated and draws influence and inspiration from George Kittle, especially his ability to catch to to get yards after the catch. That's why you see Debo Samuel. He always fights. Once he gets the ball, he does try to make an effort to juke a guy and break He's tackles. starting to do that a he, lot more, yes, too. Yes, he is starting to do that, and we, we saw him do that today with one of his earlier uh, receptions in the game. So I think the ceiling's high for him, and this is only year one, and I think next year he's going to have a breakout year. But, I mean, that's kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but that's what I think. Yeah, I agree. That's our game ball. All right, any final thoughts, Ray? Welcome, Green Bay. Welcome, Green Bay. Send us off, brother. You're the main host today. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. I'm your host, Raymond Salisa first, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Rudy Salisa third, baby. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time, same Gold Cast channel. This is, this is the Gold Cast.